Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoned, get started, get started, get started. Welcome, Big Brother fans. This is your Rad Reality Show Network. We connect you to the reality stars you love. I'm Sherry Garcia, and I'm so glad you can be here tonight with us for Manic Mondays with our beautiful host, Michelle Costa, from Big Brother Season 10, also known as the Portuguese Princess from Providence. have questions or comments, call in at 1-347-237-5506. And once you're on our switchboard, please do remember to listen to the prompts and press the number one key on your phone. That lets us know that you want to join us on air and you're not just listening to the show from our switchboard. Now, let's get this show started with a little intro for our host. Here we go. Going 
Welcome, everyone. Happy Manic Monday. You're listening to the Rad Reality Show Network. I'm Cherry Garcia. It's January 23rd, 2017, and it's time for Manic Mondays with our host, Michelle Costa, from Big Brother Season 10. She has two amazing special guests joined up for uh, to join us on the show tonight. In the first segment, Jason Zabo from Naked and Afraid will join Michelle around 7.15, and then... At around 7.50 p.m., Bill Coop Wincoop from this current season of House Kitchen will be calling in. So it's going to be an incredible Manic Monday show tonight. For those of you who may have a question or a comment during tonight's show, you can call in at one three four seven two three seven five five zero six. Just want to make sure that you remember to press that number one key that's so important just want to say that I know it was said earlier in, in the opening, but if you don't press the number one while you're on our switchboard, we think you're just listening to the show and we may not pick up your call. So by pressing the one key, that tells us that you are ready to join us on air and we then pick up your call and you join us in the conversation. So make sure that you press that number one key on your phone when you call in. Well, let's get this show popping and bring up our host and get this one rolling because it's going to be a big show. So, hi, Michelle. How are you tonight? Hey, Cherry Pie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Manic Monday. Of course, you know, Mondays are usually not a good way to start the week because we don't want to start the week. We want to keep the weekend going, but we are here as Cherry likes to say, Motivation Mondays to get you guys going, to get you guys excited. We have a great show tonight. Uh, a lot of us like to be naked. Uh, sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we're afraid. We love to eat on the show. We love talking about food. So that's definitely for sure uh, something that we talk about a lot. So can't wait to talk to our two guests. We have Jason Zabo from Naked and Afraid. He'll be calling in first. He's going to talk about um, his experience on Naked and Afraid and also his um, past, well, I should say, stuff that he's done after Naked and Afraid that he's done recently in the wilderness and places that he'll let you guys know. He's actually on location right now as well. Uh, so he'll be talking about that. And then we have Chef Coop from Hell's Kitchen 16. I know you guys are watching right now. Um, it's down to the black jackets, but he was definitely entertaining. Uh, can't wait to hear about his experience and the things he's been doing after. Uh, I've been on his social media, and he's been doing a lot of cooking events and uh, appearances, so can't wait to talk to him. Um we are all actually brought together because of Reality Rally. Um, they are both a, a be attending the Reality Rally event in April uh, that Jillian Larson started. Uh, it was a spot of hers in Ponderosa when she was on Survivor Gabon. Um, and we're going to make uh, everybody aware of what happens at Reality Rally um, and to help donate some money. Uh, so we'll be doing that clip in just a few minutes. But I just want to uh, talk a little bit uh, with Cherry, see how uh, her weekend uh, went. Um, how was your weekend, Cherry? It was very good. How about yours? I know that you um, had some real excitement in yours. 
I most certainly did. And, you know, we like to talk a little sports before we get into our regularly scheduled program of nakedness while you eat. Uh, So, yes, I worked the Patriots AFC Divisional Championship Playoff Game. And, boy, Cherry Pie, was it exciting. First off, the Patriots won and are headed to Houston, Texas, to play in the Super Bowl against the Atlantic Falcons. I'm excited. So proud of my Patriots. Uh, They've definitely had um, an interesting year uh, with the suspensions and the goddamn deflate freaking gate and the flu gate because a lot of the Steelers were saying that the Patriots gave them the flu. So, Sorry, guys. I mean, I know you guys were planning your excuses ahead of time, but uh, I have a feeling that it was not the Patriots that that gave you the flu. But, you know, why not start a flu gate and also alarm gate? Somebody um, uh, in the Boston area set off their fire alarms in their hotel uh, Saturday night. Wah, wah, wah. Call the ambulance. You know, excuse after excuse. But uh, I was in the depths. Uh, cherry pie. I actually uh, I changed locations of what I normally do. Uh, normally, I be poor and I'm out in the elements, but I uh, was in DraftKings, and I'm sure all you sports fans out there know what DraftKings is. They um, are deal with a lot of the, um, um, the football betting and all that. So I was bartending, and let me tell you. That bar was right at the end zone, and it was crazy, Cherry. It was. I bet a it was popping. It was popping, and uh, it was uh, thirteen hours of popping. So Ooh. there was a lot of pop- yeah, there was a lot of uh, drinks being uh, drunk there, and a lot of drunks <laughs> drunking there. I bet. When yes. you tweeted that, I thought, oh my. Gosh, Michelle is going to see some shit today. <laughs> yes, I I saw a lot of stuff. But, you know, it was a good thing that the Patriots won, Cherry, because that crowd could change in an instant from happy drunks to not so happy drunks. And uh, that's when things get a little iffy. So, the drinks were flowing, the money was flowing, and it was my last game for my sixth season working at Gillette Stadium. So I will be taking a hiatus from uh, Gillette uh, because it is only seasonal. So I have the next uh, couple of months off of one of my gigs. So, um, uh, you know, I got uh, my, my plate's a little bit less. I got a little bit less on my plate. Um, you know, I love attending the games and working, but uh, I am working. So it's a lot of work. Well, I hope you get your pockets filled that last 13 hours or whatever it was you said. Um, I hope you got lots and lots of tips and were able to fill your pockets full on that last shift. Yes, yes. And and then, you know, with, with happiness comes sadness at times, Cherry. And today was a sad day. You know, the Monday blues started off 
No, with me on a high note. With me on a high note. With me on a high note. And then, and then, I was at my other job, which I only had three hours of sleep. And then it was the drop heard round the world. My phone did a leap out of my holster, jumped off, and landed on the ground. And unfortunately, it took its last ring at 10.29 this morning. So I am phoneless right now. will charge no more. <laughs> it will charge no more. Took its last charging breath. So it's up in phone, the phone heavens. <laughs> uh, instead of uh, flowers, please donate underneath uh, my reality rally. Uh, because the Note 5, uh, one of its charities it supported was Reality Rally. So in lieu of flowers, please do donate to Reality Rally. Speaking of Reality Rally, let's put the clip up um, before our guest gets up so people know, um, get a little idea. I'm sure they have uh, an idea, but we like to keep everybody fresh um, on their mind of why we are all going to be here tonight. I was going to wait until it. Our guests were here to play it, but you want to play it now? Let's play it now because, we, you know, we want to play it so, we, you know, the, everybody knows what's going on and it gives at least the guys a few more extra minutes to talk because you know how we talk. We talk and then, you know, we're the, the next thing you know, it's already a half hour. We're like, ay, ay, ay. So let's just do it so that everybody knows why we are all here. Okay, we'll do this now then. Here we go. And by the way, I want to, I want to say... I have to say this before we do this. Our clip master, Paul Reed, actually put this clip together for us. Wow, so yeah. It is from the original clip master, and I thank him so very much. So here we go. Cancer don't discriminate. This is Joyam from Survivor and, as you know, from Reality Rally. And we do the most amazing event every April in Temecula, California, raising money. We call it Funds for Funds, and the money goes to Michelle's Place, which is a breast cancer resource center that has provided over 100,000 services free to people fighting cancer. They let no one face cancer alone. Our amazing event is coming up for the seventh year. The dates are April 6th, 7th, and 8th. Check out all the events on realityrally.com. We are the biggest reality TV celebrity gathering in the country. It's 110 reality stars right now and from 42 different shows. And we have epic events for everyone. You'll find a lip sync showdown, a red carpet reception at Wilson Creek and a casino night. Celebrity chefs showcase celebrity autograph sessions and, of course, the Reality Rally Race, which is the amazing race type of game on Saturday the 8th. That's what my love is for. When you're weak, I'll be strong. You let go. So, come on down. It's an amazingly fun weekend. April 6th, 7th, and 8th. So, check it out. RealityRally.com. 
And I always have to thank the Red Reality Show, who has been on board helping us promote this event since 2010. Without them, there would be people that would know nothing about it. So, Manic Monday, thank you for what you do, and also the other Rad Reality Shows that we've had the opportunity to be on. So, thank you, Rad Reality Show. We love you guys. It's realityrally.com, and this is really a problem survivor and reality rally, thanking everybody for what you do to make this such a reality every year as we help save some lives. I'm gonna love you Excellent. Well, thank you. I know. Thank you, Paul, for doing that. Uh, um, that's the Clipmaster. And, of course, Jillian, uh, for thinking about this. Um, so just let you guys know, if you uh, want to donate, you can go to www.realityrally.com. Uh, you just check out the top of the website. Uh, go to Reality Star Lineup. There you can actually see all of the different uh, reality stars and the shows that they uh, come from, a little bio. And if you scroll down to their page, you can donate. And also Jillian um, also said you can text now, which is a new feature that they have. Um, If you go on my page, I have that. But I think it's a little bit easier uh, to find uh, just going to the Reality Rally page. Um, If anybody has any questions or comments, you guys can call in at 347-237-5506 and make sure you press 1. You know, a lot of you guys out there listen through the phone. Um, so um, if you do want to participate, questions, or like I said, comments, make sure you press the 1 so Cherry knows. Right, Cherry Pie? That's right. Got to press that 1. And I wanted to let you know that we do have your first guest on the switchboard. Well, with no further ado, and uh, let's bring up our first guest. Awesome. We have from Naked and Afraid, Mr. Jason Sabo. Hi, Jason. Thank you so much for calling in. How are you? Thank you for having me. Hey, Jason. How are you? Doing great. I'm doing great. I'm just hanging out in Honolulu at the moment. So thank you very much for having me on. It's cool to uh, to be able to be a part of this. Well, we are happy that you are here. Um, we just played the clip of Reality Rally. Um, that is the main reason why you're here. But we're going to be talking about what you're doing right now in, in Honolulu in a few minutes. Uh, but first off, I do want to say that just to um, uh, welcome you here, I am naked right now. I'm not afraid, though. So I wanted you. Most of us that did the show, we were definitely naked, but uh, a lot of us weren't really too afraid. Um, I think, you know, in other ways, the show should be called Naked and Gathering Firewood. That was one of the main aspects. <laughs> yeah. Was, we don't want any good. splinters. Got to be careful. Got to be very careful. Well, let's first talk about Reality Rally. Uh, that's why we're here. We just played the clip uh, for Jillian. Um, you attended uh, Reality Rally um, already. So uh, talk about your experience for the people that are listening um, to get a, a gist of what your view of it is because it's pretty amazing. It is an amazing thing, and all the people that kind of work to get it together, it's kind of a, a huge feat and uh, such a great cause. My mom was actually a breast cancer survivor, so actually being a being able to be a part of it and partaking kind of hits home for me. 
Um, uh, EJ Snyder actually was the one who got me on board with it all and, and directed me through with Jillian. And, you know, I said that I would be more than willing to be a, a participant and, and raise what I can to kind of help out a great cause. And, you know, just the events and everything that was all put together for it all. And, and you know, you, you kind of get taken aside and brought into these these kind of classroom-style settings where they kind of explain to you what it's all about and, and what we're doing there. And a lot of it really hits home. It's, it's kind of a, a heartwarming thing that's kind of actually, you know, it's rough, too. It's an emotional uh, type of thing because you're dealing with a lot of loss. Uh, people have lost a lot to cancer. So being able to be a part of something where you can help out people that are in a tough situation and raise money so they can get some of the assistance and, and guidance that they need and let alone all the volunteers that partake with it that just go out of their way to make sure that everyone that needs help is able to get it. It's truly just an inspiring and admirable thing. Admirable thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do these events and we do different charities and stuff like that, but for me, when you go to Michelle's place, Jason, and you see you meet the families and you see the different rooms, the wig rooms, you see the rooms of not only just to help out um, the person going through um, the, the struggle of the cancer, but the families as well, Jason. I'm sure, you know, you being, you know, the, the son of somebody who had cancer, you probably sometimes question what you should do or or just the emotional side of it. Um, so it's nice to see how they, they help out the entire family. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things that really hit home for me and the fact that it is truly a humbling thing. I mean, I did a TV show on Sure. You know, I survived naked in a jungle in Guyana for three weeks. But after we kind of do this little walk down the carpet and you get your photo taken and you get kind of thrown into the mix for a meet and greet of, of people that are a fan of your show. And, I mean, I had one gentleman that took me aside and he said, hey, Jason, hey, can, do you have a minute? Can I have some of your time? And I was like, yes, sir, you can have two minutes. I mean, you can talk to me as long as you want. What's up? And he's like, well, I just wanted to tell you that I watched your episode and seeing the demeanor that you kept and how you handled doing um, what you did when you're in the jungle in Guyana was really inspiring for me and the disease that I'm dealing with right now. And he stated it was a Parkinson's-like disease, but seeing how I composed myself and, and how I was during my episode was motivational for him to be strong for what he was doing. And that was just a really, you know, a, an amazing thing to hear because I didn't think that anything that I did would really truly inspire someone like that. But the fact that it did and whether it's just him alone was just more than humbling. Yeah. I mean, as long as you just see you, you such one person, I mean, it's like a domino effect, you know, it just takes that one person, I think. And we we're on a plateau, Jason, you know, we were on a show. Yeah. But we have a voice to be able to communicate and to spread the word out to so many people uh, that are unaware of, of uh, different types of uh, cancer or Parkinson's or whatever, or, or to be that lifting spirit to these people going through these real struggles and to know that, you know, they need to fight and, um, you know, to never say no or be defeated, that they can do anything that they put their mind to. Um, so it's little stories like that that's great, you know, and that's what really we're there for. We're there to mingle with everybody. We're we're not in a cage and, you know, you you know, don't feed us, we will bite, you know. We're there to be with you guys. We're we're human beings and um if we we can touch one person we did our job, right? Well yeah, I mean it costs zero dollars to be a decent human being. I mean, if someone has something to say or, or needs someone to listen to them. I mean, I have no, no, you know, no issues going out of my way to, to be there for someone, no matter who they are. I mean, and that's why I kind of, 
I like teaching primitive survival. That's what I'd, I'd like to do initially, but I spent a lot of time taking out war veterans with PTSD issues and trying to kind of help out with their PTSD and, and kind of changing their, their frame of mind into, you know, getting some nature therapy and learning how to live off the land and, you know, build shelters out of nothing, find water sources to purify it, learn how to trap and hunt food. And it kind of, you know, everyone that I've taken out, it seems to have really been something to help them out. So if there's, you know, anything that I'm able to do or anyone in, in general, you know, would ever reach out to me in any way, shape, or form, of course I would give them the knowledge and the advice that I could. You know, I always found that if your mind's in the right place, the body will follow. And, I mean, sometimes whether your mind's in the right place, some people have issues with their body being able to keep up as well. But, I mean, if there's a will, there's a way. And then, you know, there's always someone out there that's willing to, to extend a, a hand to help out. That's interesting that you just talked about that. So so you've been helping out people with PTSD. So how is that? Do do you find that? Do they find you? Or is, how does that work? Because, you know, I know a lot of people that are dealing with that. And, you know, there's really nothing, you know, medication-wise or, they, you know, they want to talk to people that, you know, to them they don't feel like understand what they're going through. Um, so how, how does somebody go about, you know, experiencing the nature with you? Well, I've been teaching primitive survival um, kind of like as a, a main resource besides when I'm trying to, you know, make money to survive and pay pay bills when I'm just kind of existing. But I, I bartend on that aspect. But I did teach primitive survival. And then I partook in – and when I lived in Colorado the past few years, I worked with uh, Evergreen Wilderness Guides and then taught primitive survival through them. But a lot of times I would just kind of – I put it out there that I have no problem taking out vets. Um, I mean, if they're unable to afford what, you know, I charge for a stipend to kind of go out and teach stuff, I have no problem just taking out the veteran to help them out. So I've actually spent a lot of my time um, just going out of my way to help out veterans, you know, free of charge, just because I, I feel like I I owe that to them. You know, if if there's something that I can do to return the favor for their service, I have no problem doing that. Um, so, I've been trying to set something up going with that. I'm not too familiar with how to set up nonprofits and get stuff going that way. So, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, fresh trying to figure out a way to, to make myself available for everyone on um, that aspect as opposed to just where I was in Colorado. Um, now I'm currently trying to start out here in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, I'm staying with a friend from Naked and Afraid, actually. His name's Bo Stewart. He was the episode directly after mine. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he, you know, kind of took me in and, and let me stay here. I just spent a, a couple months off grid living in the bush in Australia for fun, just kind of living off the land. And then I got back wow. to the States because my temporary visa expired and he was kind of enough to kind of put me up and, uh, uh, let me try to get on my feet so I could get work going here and then get my own place. And then, you know, hopefully expand from there and get some time to take people out and guide them and, and, you know, take them out on hikes and teach parent survival. So, I mean, everything is just kind of a process. I, I'm just dealing with one thing at a time. And, and so far I've been blessed enough that the, the stars have been kind of aligning and, you know, good things have been placed in my path every step that I'm taking to kind of lead me in the right direction. Well, let's first off go backwards here. We want to hear about this because, I mean, uh, you, you were naked and afraid, and, and we saw we saw that. But let's let's talk a little bit about Australia. Can you give us like how, what made you go to Australia, and maybe some of your experience that you had there? Because I saw some of those pictures, and they were amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, well, basically what I did, Australia was always kind of like a bucket list style place for me. I've always wanted to go to Australia since I was a small child. And uh, I guess I'm a nature boy, so I think that the only thing on this planet that would put the fear of God into me would be a saltwater crocodile. So I kind of wanted to get up close and personal and actually kind of face that and see them like in their own environment type of thing. But what I did is I actually got to Melbourne, Australia, and then um, I use this app called Couchsurfing, where people that actually travel the world use this app, and they can meet other people that couchsurf, and people kind of scratch each other's back. You need a place to stay for a few days, a week. You can stay on my couch, and then in return, when that person travels, another couchsurfer looks out for them. So it's kind of like a free aspect to get your spots going to kind of get where you, you need to go. So I got to Melbourne and I stayed with a, a friend that I had made and, you know, I spoke with him for a while and then, you know, he put me up on the couch at his place and we went out to Grampians National Park and then camped out and then did a few hikes out there and it was just gorgeous. That's where I came across the first kangaroo I saw on the flesh and then got up close next to one and got a few pictures and, and just kind of got a whole lot of awesome scenery going. And then he's like, you know what? Um, he's like, you're not, you're not much of a tourist. I can tell. So, I mean, if you want to do something that most Australians have never done, I'd suggest you go to Cape York, Australia. And Cape York, Australia is the northernmost tip of Australia, and it's literally tropical rainforest, and it's wild. Like, it's extremely, extremely wild. And a lot of times the, the only accessibility you have is with a four-wheel drive vehicle to even get there. So I decided that I'm going to take the leap, and I'm going to go and just – live off the land in the bush in Cape York, Australia. So I lined up a flight from, uh, from Melbourne to Cairns. And then from Cairns, um, I lined up a flight to Horn Island, which is an island um, probably 50, 60 nautical miles north of the Cape, Cape York. Took a flight to Horn Island, got to Horn Island, and then had to take a ferry from Horn Island to Thursday Island, and once I got to Thursday Island, I needed to take a ferry to a place called Saija, which is on kind of an inward-style coast of the northern peninsula there. And just so happens I arrived on a Sunday, and there wasn't a flight until the next day. So I had to backpack myself to – I found, like, a construction site that was kind of empty on the weekend, and I set up my hammock and just kind of gorilla camp between a couple palm trees to wait for my ferry um, the next morning at 6.30 in the morning. So I just kind of rogue camped out there, um, got my stuff all packed up and disappeared before the construction crews came, got on to the ferry, took the ferry to Saija, uh, hitchhiked from Saija to Bamaga, and then from Bamaga, I stopped at this gas station, got a few supplies and some groceries, and then hitchhiked my way up to this place called Croc Tent, which is kind of like a post where a lot of the four-wheel, uh, four-wheeling, four-wheel drive uh, vehicle kind of trail people hit up and then got a map. And then um, I had a friend up there uh, named Lockie who actually has a, a beachfront style uh, spot that's in a couple of, uh, I guess there would be storage containers, like like uh, a crate house style thing. And he had kind of like cool. a veranda and a house set up. So I ended up going up there. He was out of town, so I kind of looked after his chickens for a couple of weeks till he arrived. But while I was there, I set up my hammock out on the beach area and then just kind of went out exploring, um, you know, wandered around, checking out uh, spots where I could find Aboriginal cave drawings and then checking out wildlife and, you know, rare birds and, and seeing rare snakes and then 
Um, I would just go diving in, in croc-infested waters and get painted crays, which are like lobsters without claws. And I would dive for those and get those for breakfast. Um, and then, you know, while we were on land, as soon as my friend arrived back, he had Aboriginal permissions, which allowed us to kind of get what we needed for foods um, and not impede on any of the Australian laws for the wildlife and the whole nine yards. So we were able to kind of, you know, eat what we needed to eat and then, uh, you know, spend a lot of time just diving. We'd keep one man on shore looking for log-like objects, which would be the saltwater crocodiles, while one of us would dive and, and get food. And then, uh, yeah, we'd just look out for sharks and crocs, and everything turned out okay. We didn't get uh, eaten or attacked by anything. You got all and, your limbs. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, my buddy Lockie, he's actually a school teacher out there. He ended up, uh, well, he's lived out there for about eight years, so he's quite hardcore. But he, uh, he's been bit by a taipan. He's been bit by a death adder. I mean, he's been bit by two of the top five most venomous snakes and still lived to talk about it. And then he was kind of wow. taking me out when I had my bow and arrow. And we would go out, uh, you know, checking out wild pigs, uh, hunting those. Um, you know, there's wild turkey that are abundant out there and everything. So, yeah, I mean, if you go out there to, to get it, you can find it. But you do have to kind of keep your eyes peeled for uh, nasty things because it's Australia. Everything out there is uh, willing to take a bite out of you, and a lot of them are lethal. But it was an amazing experience. It was a ton of fun. Um, I mean, I went and checked out some cave drawings, and then after I got some pictures of the cave drawings and walked back, ended up bumping into a paper wasp nest, and that's what actually rocked my back and neck where I had all those huge welts in that picture that I sent to you with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I mean, stuff – stuff happens but i mean it buffed out it wasn't uh, anything permanent and uh yeah i'm still here today so i mean i had a great so you, you came just... face to face with the crocodile like how close were you like were, like are they fast i mean are they water and land honestly i didn't get to get extremely close to them um i don't think a lot of people do i wasn't in both majority of the time so i mean i couldn't really get up close enough to one to have safety and actually, like, the only croc I ended up getting close enough to would have been when I landed at the wharf on Saija. There was probably a, a sandbar about 50 yards away from me that probably had a 16-foot croc just kind of laying on the beach hanging out. Um, but apparently, you know, they are out there. I mean, there are a lot of areas where I was where I saw the croc tail slides. Um, you're just not going to see them, whether because they're hiding, you know, under the surface or on the shoreline or somewhere out of sight ready to pounce on you. I mean, if you're going to get water out of spots, you have to throw rocks at the shoreline to hopefully spook it off. And, uh, I mean, if you're getting water out in the bush and a billabong, what they call, like, their, their water holes, you do have to, you know, switch up your spots because crocodiles are ambush predators and they will remember you. So if you kind of go to get water at the same place every day, they'll be able to track you down and keep that in their mind. And then one morning they, you could go to get your water in the same spot at the same time, and then you'll get pounced on. So you have to switch up your routine, be aware of your surroundings. And, and yeah, I mean, you, you kind of just have to understand what you're going out there. Definitely do your research if you're going to do something like I do. But it, it is a beautiful place to be. Um, but, you know, the few people that I did meet, since it is pretty uh, – pretty, <laughs> pretty desolate out there there aren't a whole lot of people living out there but everyone i met were just wonderful people um i had a friend that has a pearl farm that's just uh north of where we were camped 
and he actually goes out and dives for pearls. He's had a 20-year lease that his father has on this island called Get Local out. Island. And he does fishing charters from there. So he actually took me out deep sea fishing for a while, for a couple of days. And then we'd go catch some big fish and then camp on random islands and then eat our fish for dinner and then cruise back in. So, I mean, I was fortunate enough to meet so many great people that kind of just made that trip that I took amazing. And I'm looking forward to going back there in the future. Now, how's sleeping with one eye open? How does that work? <laughs> you know, I uh, I actually, um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I brought my, I have like an Eno jungle nest hammock, which has uh, like a bug fly on it. And I have my rain fly in the whole nine yards. And I can just kind of zip myself up in there and not worry about any creepy crawlies falling on me or biting me or, or grabbing me, you know, because I'm off the ground, so. Sleeping wasn't really too much of an issue. Um, there were a couple kind of monsoon tropical storms, which would kind of start blasting you with wind and, and rain and such that you kind of hop out of your hammock and then hide for a minute until the wind dies down and then try to get some sleep again and hopefully dry off a little bit. So, yeah, you got to deal with the elements and stuff out there, but it's worth every minute. You know, I went to Australia, and um, I feel like my experience wasn't uh, the same. Uh, I, I met some koala bears, and I, I hugged a kangaroo. So <laughs> That would have been awesome. Um, I mean, the koalas that I saw were pretty high up in trees, and they didn't look too, uh, too friendly enough to hug. Uh, I did get cl- close to some kangaroos, but they weren't like – they were wild kangaroos and not kind of like zoo kangaroos that you can feed by hand and stuff. Um, typically wild animals will let me feed them by hand. I have had experience like that living in the mountains in Colorado where, you know, wild animals would approach me and I could feed them by hand and stuff like that. But Australia, I didn't really get that option. Um, but yeah, I think the nearest thing that I had to a wild animal eating something of mine would have been the bar of soap that I had next to, uh, an outdoor shower setup where a bush rat stole my entire bar of soap. So that kind of sucked. But, uh, yeah, it is. It sounds like it sucks, but wouldn't it suck for the rat though? I'm sure that wasn't very tasty. Uh, it was some African black soap, so it had grains and and I think maybe some possible natural ingredients that would have been edible. So yeah, I mean it wasn't like a piece of Irish Spring soap or something. So I think that's probably why. <laughs> but yeah, that was still upsetting because uh, that limited uh, my ways to keep uh, hygienic out there. But I did bring a backup bar of soap, but. I was just kind of CEO'd about that. Well, that was an interesting experience. Um, how long in total were you out there doing that? I was about uh, six weeks in the bush, but I was probably out there for uh, about two and a half months total. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, you're in Honolulu now, so have you lived there before and and, and experience the nature there? Or are you doing that now? Um, back in October is when I first got to Honolulu. Um, I came out here with a friend to just kind of scope things out. And then after about a week in this area called Haula, which is in Oahu, but it's kind of uh, the eastern shore, you know, as you're heading up towards the north shore. And that kind of town area really didn't do it for me. I did a few hikes out there. So what I ended up doing was actually – buying a ticket to go to Kauai and then I went to Kauai and then ended up beach camping for about three weeks, two weeks, two weeks beach camping. And then about a week I went to uh 
hiked the Kalalau Trail. And the Kalalau Trail is in, like, the top ten most dangerous hikes in the world. So I went and did that and kind of lived off the land for a week out there. And, yeah, for the world, one of the top most dangerous trails. It's extremely beautiful. Kauai is where they shot Jurassic Park and all those movies. But, I mean, wow. I, I did the I did the hike in flip-flops with a 65-pound backpack. So I uh, made it through it just fine. So I think kind of saying it's the world's most dangerous trail was kind of something to maybe – get some thrill seekers out there, but it truly is just a beautiful, amazing hike. And, and, uh, I guess a lot of the death that comes from out there, strong winds, knocking people off cliffs as they're walking or else, uh, people hop into the water and get pulled out and drowned by the rip currents and such. But as long as you're just kind of taking your time and, and, you know, my P's and Q's where you're walking, you're going to be all right. Well, wow, it's very dangerous. Uh, sounds very exciting, though. I mean, you must just just the nature itself. Um, it sounds amazing. Um, so, you're a crocodile or alligator guy. Did you happen to see that picture of that like prehistoric-looking um, alligator that they saw in Florida? Was that giant one on the golf course? Or I think it was. That I don't know if it was in the golf course. I swear it was walking. It was huge, and it looked like prehistoric. Well, yeah. I mean, all of them, alligators, crocodiles are about the closest thing you can get to actually being next to a dinosaur. Um, I think I I didn't see anything that huge up close when I was out there. I did see what you're talking about. But I think, like, eventually I need to get back to Australia, and I want to go do, like, Northern Territory and do Darwin and Kimberley, which is, like, the center northernmost part, but it's not, you know, all the way up as far as, like, where I was at Cape York. But Darwin's where a lot of the crocodiles and such are. And they apparently have this spot called Crocosaurus Cove. And it's kind of like oh a tourist style spot where they have a giant plexiglass style tube that you can hop into with your mask and swim in the water with a giant crocodile that's in this area. So if you oh check that God. out, so if you can actually get into a giant plexi tube that's like bulletproof and apparently crocodile-proof, and you can hang in there with your mask and snorkel and be in the water with this giant crocodile that's swimming around you. So it's not like a straw for the for the crocodile to suck you up and eat you. <laughs> yeah. No, you're in there. Apparently you're safe. I don't think uh, I don't think you'll die. I think that's kind of a popular attraction. But if that's, that's something I really want to do because I think it would be awesome to be that close to just some prehistoric dinosaur you know, beef. It's amazing. What's that? You you actually, um, I think, caught a stingray or two on, on Naked and Afraid. Did you ever uh, catch any of the eels? Um, You know, I did get a small eel in a trap that I had made. I, I actually, there was a lot of stuff that they didn't show that I caught. I actually ate pretty well and, and got a lot more than they showed. I think for editing and television purposes, they narrowed it down for dramatic purposes as opposed to showing me rambling things out there. So that kind of sucks for the viewer because I think a viewer would want to see someone out there tearing it up. But the way yeah. that they had it, they kind of edited it according to a storyboard they had in mind. I mean, you get people that talk about Naked and Afraid being a scripted show. It's definitely not scripted. I didn't read any script. I experienced everything firsthand, but I, I believe the producer has a story in mind that they want to show, so they edit accordingly towards that, and I think a lot of the viewers who watch it religiously kind of get to see that, 
But, yeah, I speared a 50-pound stingray out there. I did see a few electric eels uh, on the day that I was extracting um, on the raft that uh, AK and I had built. There was probably a 15-foot anaconda that was eating a capybara, which is like a large rodent. Like the, I think they're actually well, a large rodent. And it was literally consuming it as I was going by. And, it, like, it's you know, neck and belly was just all full from this capybara that this giant anaconda was eating right there. And that was a little disconcerting being that I was about to be going down the river on a raft with my junk hanging out. So that wasn't, you know. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. at least he was full. So he probably, you know, wasn't looking at you yeah, like the meal full. at that moment. He was full, hopefully. Yeah. So. That was, a, that was, I guess, kind of a plus. And that's actually the first thing I thought about. I'm like, well, he's got something in his belly, so at least he's not going to be messing with me. So. Yeah, for now. Well, Jason, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that experience. That's, like, amazing. I mean, uh, it seems like you're probably going to be having a lot more experiences probably in, in Hawaii. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's tough. I'm, I'm just trying to get my feet grounded and trying to get things going for myself. But, you know, everything's going to to work out, I'm sure. And there's a will, there's a way, a way, and I definitely have the willpower to make something happen. So, Awesome. Let all the listeners know where they can find you on social media. Don't forget, everybody, he's looking for donations. He's going to be attending Reality Rally. Um, so you go to Reality Rally, scroll down to Jason Zabo and, and donate there. But let people know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook, um, just Jason Zabo. It's, Jason, it's facebook.com um, slash jason.zabo1 is my, my private page. Um, Jason Zabo, and my last name is spelled S-Z-A-B-O. Um, I have a Jason Zabo public page that's under Adventurer Survivalist. And then I post my Reality Rally links on there. I'm about $280 away from the $500 goal. So any donations would be greatly appreciated. You know, I'd love to attend the event if I'm able. Um, and, uh, yeah, last year I ended up raising $1,000. And because I raised 1000 I, I donated 14 and a half inches of my hair, actually. And as of now, I actually wow. cut my hair entirely, and I kind of got a mohawk going on for the time being. So I'm not even going nice. to look like the same person that I looked like last year. Nice. But, uh and then on Instagram, there's a whole lot of photos. There's many photos from uh, my adventures when I was in Australia as well, and that's under uh, naked underscore and underscore afraid underscore Jason Zabo. So if you want to find me on there and then follow me on Instagram, you can check out the photos that I took when I was out there, at least the majority of them. And, you know, I'd actually like to start working on um, getting a few books written on my adventures too and maybe get something out there so that people can kind of, get to read things and, and see how things were from my perspective out there and kind of get some insights. Maybe it'll motivate them to go out and travel and get some adventures going of their own. Absolutely. You've motivated me, motivated me to go in my backyard, <laughs> put up a tent because I got wild turkeys back there. I, I can deal with that. It's the poisonous yeah. snakes and stuff I can't deal with, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, get yourself a, a hammock or something, get your tent set up and then get yourself a bow and arrow and get yourself a, get yourself a meal. And I mean, you no, know, of course, make sure uh, it's, it's in season for you and follow your state laws accordingly. Um, of course. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, go out there and get some. It's fun. And, I mean, it's definitely a, a great feeling when you get to, to 
to procure your own meal, and it's something that, that you earned and you hunted yourself. And then, you know, utilize it all, respect it all, and just be, uh, you know, be proud of yourself that you're able to figure out a way to provide. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, if shit ever did hit the fan, you know that you can rely on yourself and, and your means to kind of get through and, and do what you need to do to, to survive. So, I mean, I'm a self-taught survivalist. Everything that I learned, I, I learned from a Boy Scout handbook that my grandfather gave me when I was a boy. And then I just kind of advanced since I was a kid growing up doing crazy stuff and then ended up where I am now. So. Well, it's been amazing talking to you and listening to your experiences. You guys go out there, Reality Rally, donate. Thank you so much for calling in, and um, we will be seeing you in April. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. And, uh, yeah, do what you can, people. Um, Reality Rally is a great event. It helps out a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of warrior women out there that uh, that could use your help, and uh, everything counts. Everything matters. So go ahead and, and toss out what you're able. Uh, it will be greatly appreciated, and hopefully some of you can actually attend the event as well, and maybe I can meet you in person. That's right. Well, thank you, Jason, and enjoy Hawaii and for all its beauty. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, and take care, all. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Michelle, I just wanted to let you know before I pick up our next guest that we are getting a little bit of feedback from your phone. Oh, and Michelle has dropped. Okay. Hopefully when she calls back in, it will clear up the feedback that we were getting from Michelle's phone. So the next guest is already on the switchboard, and I'm waiting for Michelle to call back in. We were getting um, some feedback that I just mentioned from her phone, so hopefully that will clear up when she calls back in and we won't have that problem um, for her and our next guest, which from this season of Hell's Kitchen. And I can't wait for her to talk to him. Um, I've been watching all season, and it was such a great season. I wish that he was still on. It's There's three women left in the season. Um, here she is. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I had a very bad connection, and yeah. when I went to call back, the phone that I was utilizing did not work. So can you guys we were hear getting me now? Some bad feedback. Yes, we're getting some really bad feedback on your phone. So yeah, well, we can hear that's you much the problem. better now. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes, I, I you know, and I want my phone back. I want my phone back. <laughs> I know back. you do. I know, babe. Oh my god! You have your next guest awesome, already waiting you know for you on the switchboard. We, you know what we we were we were talking about a little nakedness, a little afraidness, a little bit of some wild animals, and now everybody out there, because we are all loving of some good food, talking about food, growing our own food, trying out new recipes and stuff. So why not talk to a chef about it? And also, his I believe first time at Reality Rally. So let's bring up our next guest. We have Bill Coop Winkoop from this season of Hell's Kitchen. Hi, Coop. How are you? Thank you for being on the show. 
I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Coop. This is Michelle. How are you? Good, Michelle. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for taking out the time to join us tonight. Um, We're all here brought together uh, to talk about Reality Rally, and um, excited to have you on, and it was great watching you on Hell's Kitchen. Um, Loved your attitude. Uh, Loved everything kind of about what you did. You should have been there at the end, but um, first let's talk a little bit about Reality Rally. Uh, This is going to be your first time attending it, right? Yeah, this would be my first time. Um, if my season wouldn't have taped and then aired, you know, two years later, I maybe have been involved before. Uh, but, yeah, this will be my first year involved with it for sure. Oh, it was taped two years ago? Yeah. Um, it's kind of one of those things that they can't even really hide. Uh, if you pay attention to some of the social media aspects of it, Ryan from the show, uh, she had a daughter, as most people got to see on the, the show, the last episode that aired when they brought the families out. Uh, she also has a one-year-old son now. And as you can tell, she wasn't pregnant while she was there. So yeah. the time frame thing, they can't exactly hide. But, yeah, it took almost, almost exactly two years from when we taped till when they aired the first episode. Is there a reason wow. that they waited that long? Because you would think it would be maybe about six months to a year. We were told that about the same thing. It would be probably close to a year, but it ended up hitting, like we said, almost two, well, almost two exactly. Nobody ever gave us a reason. You know, when it comes to the the EPs and everybody, they did, they make those decisions, and then the network goes from there, and that's not our call. We just get the joys of sitting with this information, hiding in our heads for two years, and we can't talk to anybody about it. Yeah, you can't really say yeah, much. It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to keep a secret oh. that long. It was really hard for me. Um, when they, they showed me on the show, they say I'm a kitchen manager. Uh, when I went out to the show, I was actually unemployed. Um, when I left to do the taping, the employer I had at the time, he fired me. He said, if you uh, were going to ever take your job seriously, you would have never even signed up for the show without consulting me first. And oh. today will be your last day. He said, if you decide to go for the show, you no longer work here because I'm not going to hold your job, or you can stay here and have your job. So depending on who you talk to, he fired me or I quit. But needless to say, when I was out there, I was unemployed. So when I came back home, I had to figure out a way to cover a almost almost two-month gap in my unemployment on my resume because I couldn't tell anybody what I was actually doing during that time frame. Interesting. Oh my goodness. Gosh. Yeah. So wow. what did you what did you end up doing? Did you end up uh uh going into a, a, a different restaurant or continuing, you know, just going well, you couldn't really do appearances and stuff, right? Or, or events, correct? Couldn't do anything. Um what I ended up doing was when I came back home, I just, you know, I've got a family. I've got a long-term girlfriend. We've been together for 11 years now, and I've got two great kids, and I I just basically went out started job searching. Uh, ended up with a corporate gig, a uh, corporate restaurant that I, I absolutely I hated it with a passion, um, but it paid my bills, and it taught me really fast over the course of, you know, almost the entirety of the time between uh, me coming back home and the show airing that I hate the corporate world, and I realized that money doesn't make you happy. Uh, you can get what you need and then spend time with friends and family, and your life can be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm sure you. It's good to, 
you know, to be able to pay the bills. But eventually yeah. you've got to do some stuff in life that you're not too happy with to get to a point of, you know, where you can find happiness. So hopefully, you know, I did see some of your uh, social media, and I saw that you recently had done um, a house kitchen um, dinner with some of your um, uh, past um, Hell Kitchen 16 um, guests that were on with you. Um, so have you yeah. been doing a lot of appearances, seeing that the show is now um, on and you can actually do that? We've actually done two Hell's Kitchen dinners now up in Traverse City. Uh, they basically both have been done at the same place. Uh, Ryan from the show, she lives up there. She's got a lot of amazing contacts. And it's like a little food mecca. Uh, amazing people, amazing food culture up there. Uh, a lot of amazing people and a really good community of this industry. Chefs, line cooks, dishwashers, everybody is really close-knit. Um, we've done, like I said, two, I just got back. Yes. From doing the second one, um, over the next week or two, I'll start slowly posting the pictures. Um, but the bulk of the pictures are already out there. I just don't share them all at once because it's kind of like the old adage. If you go to one party with 50 people, you won't remember as if you would go to two parties with 20 people per party. So I, I slowly push the pictures out there but it's an amazing time to go and do those things. You give us a little appetizer at a time. Here's a little taste of this and a little taste yeah. of that. You don't want to give them everything at once, the full course, right? Exactly. <laughs> if I give you everything all at once, you may not come back and see me again. That's so true. All right, let's go uh, back a little bit. So how did you get involved in going to Reality Rally? I just want to let you know that I've been – doing it for it's going to be the seventh year now um and i've been there all seven years and it's absolutely amazing so talk a little bit about how you got involved in it um we have we all have a uh a facebook group chat with most of the contestants from my season and uh pat aziza and kimberly uh they all had gotten their hands in on it first and they were talking about it on the messenger chat and i was curious as to what it was and they're like no you should do it and I'm like I can't I can't do this you know I don't I can't afford to go to California and they're like no 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 look into it it's paid for if you raise this money so I said sure what the hell um looked into it and I ended up being able to sign up um and right now I've got so much money that's already been donated um out of everybody that has donation pages I am fifth highest in donations already. Well, excuse wow. me, fancy pants. Okay, Look, that's what we like I, to hear. I, I use my skills uh, as a cook to basically barter payments. Um, I've made a bunch of bread and a bunch of cinnamon rolls and a bunch of cookies and then yeah. sold everything for $20 a batch. And around where I live, everybody's in industry. So during the holidays, everybody works, and nobody wants to go out and do these things and have these homemade things. So I basically said, look, you give me a little bit of money that I can donate to this charity, and I'll make you some food. And it worked out phenomenally. Awesome. That's what we like to hear. That's and you great. know. Yeah, and we still want you to raise more money because the point is it's not, you know, just yeah. a, a certain amount. We want to keep it going. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. what we're here to Tis do today. Yeah, I'm, I'm and, at the point where I'm looking at possibly as soon as tomorrow because I don't work tomorrow. I don't go back to work until Wednesday. 
um, I'm going to just start actually pounding pavement and go to some of the smaller local businesses around here and say, hey, you know, would you like to help out and see if anybody will just straight up donate from a business and, you know, go from there and say, hey, if you guys want, I can come to your business. I can do a meet and greet here. I'll do whatever you guys would like as long as you guys donate something. Give some amount of money to this and I'll help your business. And in a small community like this, I should be able to hopefully net something from that. Well, that is amazing. So, uh, you guys, let's just plug it real quick. Um, if Obviously, if you're not in his ear and you, you can't buy his cookie batches, which sounds really good. <laughs> I'd love some cookies right now. Go to realityrally.com. Uh, go to the Reality Rally star lineup. Scroll down. CC Chef Coop, and then donate under his page. Uh, anything counts, a dollar, two dollars. Don't be shy, you guys. Don't think a dollar doesn't count because every dollar matters. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your experience on Hell's Kitchen. Um, you know, I, I, you sign up for it. Uh, talk about the process of you actually signing up and getting casted for it. Was it a long process? Did you go to a casting call? Did you send a tape in? How did that work? Um, it was actually about, I would say, about a two-month process total. Um, I was actually bored when I did it. Um, everybody just kind of looks at us and says, oh, have you watched it every single season? And I look at them and I said, no. And they're like, well, how many have you watched? And I'm like, none. And they go, what do you mean? Well, before my time on the show, all I ever did was if it was on TV and if I wanted to watch, I would watch dinner service and then I'd turn the channel. I didn't care about the challenges. I didn't care about the reward. I didn't care about the elimination. I just liked to watch them cook. Well, we got a, or I got an email one morning that said, Health Kitchen is casting. Are you interested in applying? Go ahead and click here. And this was an email sent through my, the culinary school I graduated from. So I filled it out, and I filled it out just like I would talk. It was F this, F that. You know, who's your culinary idol? My culinary idol is SpongeBob SquarePants. Everybody thinks it's hilarious. It's that true. Is. Look at SpongeBob. He works a shitty job for a guy that doesn't want to pay him nothing, but he loves what he does, so he's happy. So my culinary idol is SpongeBob. Everybody else is going to say, oh, I'm going to be cliche, and I'm going to kiss Gordon Ramsay's ass. I'm going to say it's him. No, don't be like that. Be real. SpongeBob SquarePants. I think that's what ended up getting me a first phone call. Ended up getting like two phone calls. Then I had to go up to Detroit to do some on camera. Then they fly you out to LA, do some more on camera, on cameras, drug tests, TV tests, psychological evaluations, meeting with executive producers, and then they send you home. And then they say, we'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> I go, what? <laughs> like I spent three days locked in a hotel room for you to say, we'll call you. And then a couple of weeks later, they called and said, we want you to go out right now. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, it's Friday night in the middle of dinner service, and you're saying, go right now. And I'm like, well, I have to call my boss. I have to call my family, and we got to go from there. Within an hour of them calling me and me calling my boss and my boss telling me, so long, you don't have a job anymore, they turn around and say, well, hey, we're going we're gonna to wait six weeks, and then you can come out six weeks and do the, the season after. I'm like, okay, I Yikes. got fired. <laughs> um, but that's that's how it ended up coming to be. I was actually just really freaking bored one morning when I was sitting at home by myself getting ready for work. 
and they sent an email that said, hey, would you like to apply? And I said, sure. Wow. So crazy. So you didn't really know what you were getting yourself into, per se, with, like you said, the challenges and all that. And the sausage soup hot tub, you probably didn't imagine that was going to happen either, correct? uh, I'm I'm going to put this one out there. I was in bed. When that happened, I went to sleep. I did not want any of this wiener in that soup. There was way too much going on in there hot dog-wise, and I was not interested. I am really happy I was asleep that day. That was an interesting little clip that they had. Um, I was like, what is happening right now? And it it was definitely entertaining. Um, but uh, to, to get back to this, I just wanted to throw that in there. But it was funny when you were like, the the soup, the hot dog soup. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, too much um, wiener in that soup for me. So the, the, the competitions are, uh, you know, crazy. You just never know what you're going to be doing. I mean, you guys were going around in golf carts, making crepes and all that kind of stuff. But I want to get into your mind a little bit. So as a chef, you know, you, you Chef uh, Ramsey comes out and he, he's got these eggs sitting on the floor. And, you know, he's talking about ostrich eggs. And, you know, and then all of a sudden he brings out ostrich meat and says, okay, make up a dish. You as a chef, like, and, and not ever cooking that type of meat, and meats are very difficult to cook. They're not all the same. How do you go about making a dish? Like, how does your brain wrap around using all these different ingredients and coming up with something? Well, what I did for that one was I, I looked at what cuts were available and basically based my opinion off of what the meat cut looked like, and I kind of used uh, a cut that was basically like a flank and I just treated it exactly like I would a flank steak. Uh, they gave us a little bit of pointers, said that it could be cooked to temperature instead of having to be cooked all the way like chicken. And I went ahead and I just made uh, an old school roulade and I went with it. It was one of those things that I know the flavors of what I want to put in it. And it looks exactly like a red meat instead of poultry. And it just really, it really came together and it worked. Um, it it was just one of those things that when you start working on something, you can go off of what you know, how other dishes should come together. And then if you want, fry up a little bit of the meat ahead of time, see what the meat by itself looks like. And if it's texturally the same, the flavor is even in the ballpark, you're in the right direction. And that's, that's pretty much what I did. And if you notice on that challenge, uh, it was basically between me and Kimberly uh, for yeah. the win. They show Wendy uh, getting a really good point, putting a lot of the weight of the win on her shoulders. Um, but I lost that challenge basically because of my lack of experience with the show. I didn't make a complete dish. Uh, if you look back at it, I made the roulade, I made a sauce, and that was it. And they claimed it really wasn't a complete dish, basically – because I didn't put any starch on the plate. If I would have put mashed potatoes with it, uh, hypothetically, I could have got a point for the team. But I didn't, simply because I didn't know exactly what the hell I was supposed to be doing because I had never seen the show. Uh, But on the flip side of that, the guys from Joe Beef that, that did the judging for that competition ate every single bite off of my plate. Well, that goes to tell you something, I mean, because yeah. they're the experts on exotic meat. I mean, 
So yeah. they're they're not going to eat something that it doesn't taste good. Now the time frame that they give you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. people think they give you 45 minutes. Oh, you know, that's really a lot of time. But it really isn't for you to cook something that you've never cooked. So how much time do you really have to kind of like taste test? Like you said, oh, I'm going to cook a little piece and see how it is. But don't you got to see how it rests and if it bleeds out and all that stuff? Like the time frame they give you is kind of difficult, right? Yeah, you got – when they say 45 minutes, that's not 45 minutes of cook time. That's 45 minutes of gathering ingredients, running around the kitchen, prepping your ingredients, making the dish. If it needs to rest, like you just said, it needs to rest because you don't want all the juice coming out of it if you cut it immediately. Anybody who's cooked for any length of time knows that you don't just cut meat right after it comes off of the heat. And then you have your the rest of your plating. And then even the smallest thing of taking the plate full of food up to the pass to put on your runner, that is time-consuming. So the actual cooking process doesn't take that long, but all the other little tiny steps involved, that's where you get, you can get flustered, you can get behind, and you can lose more time than you really think you have lost. Yeah, it seems amazing how you guys just come up with these, you know, dishes, and it, it, it amazes me. I mean, I like love trying to cook, but I have plenty of time to be able to do that in my kitchen and try a little bit of this and try a little bit of that. So for for you guys to do what you do, it's absolutely amazing. And then not only do you have to do that, but then you've got to deal with all the eccentric people that are on the show with you that you oh, kind yeah. of have to deal with, whether they're on your team or the opposite team. Talk about how it was to not only do what – you love, but then have to deal with all these people kind of at the same time, like babysitting some of them. Uh, you know, one of the, the biggest things about being out there is is the people. I mean, I've met some amazing people from the show, but then there's some other ones that I simply could care less if I ever saw them again in my life. I mean, it it is what it is, and I think that most people, if they pay attention to anything I've ever posted, they understand who it is. But it's one of those instances where after so long a time, you start to see who the people really are. And when somebody becomes two-faced or somebody wants to play the game instead of treat it like a job interview like I tried to do, I get fed up with that nonsense. And you see it throughout the course of me being on the show because especially at the end, I'm done. I'm fed up with it. I love what I do. I wanted to do better. I think I could have went a lot farther, but I'm I'm over the pettiness. I'm over the games of it. You know, when when I was out there, we got kicked out of the kitchen seven out of nine services. Yeah. Seven out of nine. And at that point in time, it's not you don't know what's going on. It's not you don't know the dishes. It's now we're going to play a game. And – I I basically had enough, and I let – yeah, my temper went gone, but I had when the you most threw that chair. honest reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you threw that chair and flipped that yeah. table, and oh, my gosh, I was like, oh, he's losing it. He's going to go off on somebody. Yeah, and you I, know what? I was I'm, proud of you for not going off on somebody that night. I thought you were going to unleash on somebody. Uh, trust me, I wanted to, but it, that's not me. Like, I'll have an outburst if I get pushed to that point. But 
I'll say my piece, get it off my chest, and it is what it is. Funny the amount of people that are like, oh, he got kicked out just because he threw the chair. What an asshole. You know what? I offered to pay for that chair, and I got <laughs> laughed at by production because they're like, no, this is going to be amazing. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me because I was true to myself when I did that. I'm not a super, super, super nice, warm person. Me and Kimberly Roth, we're great friends, but we are just talking because she was up at the dinner with me this past weekend. We are completely opposite people. She is so nice to everybody. I love her to death for it, but I can't be that way. But that's why I like her because we're so different. And when I had my outburst, it was just me being me because – there's only so much crap you can deal with, and in today's society, you're basically asked to keep everything pent up and never let anything bother you or never let it show. But I think you should let it show if something's bothering you because in this instance, I was passionate about what I was doing, and I was passionate about my frustration that I couldn't get anything done because we couldn't complete a dinner service. So I, I let out my frustrations, and there, there was nothing wrong with that in my book. But some people just think it's the most horrible thing in the world to, to show emotions when emotions are frustration. Listen, you had to – that chair got in your way, and you had to do what you had to do. And I love the fact that you <laughs> right. just said, I asked to pay for the chair. No, 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 no. Production does not want you to pay for the chair. They actually want a, you to break another chair. There's another yeah, chair no right there. <laughs> Throw that chair, too. Did you get mad at that one, too? Because yeah. <laughs> see, that's stuff that you can't control. Like you can control your cooking, no. but you are uh, also on a show, and it's not all you know about the cooking. You know, you have to deal with these people, and you have to deal with their emotions and what they're reasoning to be on the show is and it gets frustrating of course i mean that you gotta break a chair or flip a table or something i mean it's just that's the yeah. way it's gotta be you know you but, know if uh, you're not in the process of hurting somebody else do what you gotta do you know don't do anything rash don't do anything crazy but you know what if breaking a chair is gonna calm you down and get you back to center I'm not condoning violence, but I'm saying that I did it, and you know what? I felt better afterwards, and you know what? I owned it. When Polly threw me under the bus and tattled on me to chef, said, he broke the chair. You shouldn't do that. I owned oh, it God. right there. I said, yep, I'm not super proud of it, but I did because I'm not the type of person that's going to do something and then pretend about it. I didn't do it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how, how difficult that blind taste test is. They have it oh, every yeah. year, and it looks so difficult. It does. Oh, it's crazy hard, and especially this year where they pureed everything and took away sight. Yeah, I and ended up put baby guessing, food in the mix. Yeah, everything was just pureed and cold. So no heat, no seasoning, no texture, no sight, nothing but taste. And it was hard. Um I knew that when I got bell peppers, I knew that was I knew that perfectly. Uh, the apple, I was actually even going to tell you the varietal of apple because I know for a fact it was a Granny Smith apple to this day. I will guarantee you it was a Granny Smith apple. And I ended up guessing uh, pork when it was mushrooms. 
And I think the only reason I did that is I hate mushrooms. I'm a chef. I get that. But I hate mushrooms. Mushrooms are a textural issue for me. When I eat my food, I want good texture. And I've had very, very few mushrooms that have good texture. So a mushroom with an earthier flavor, I just went with a, a meat product and said pork, and I was horribly wrong. Well, I feel, I feel like your mind plays tricks on you, too, and you second-guess yourself. And, you know, sitting at home watching it, you're like, oh, gosh, you know, I would have figured that out. How could they not get that? That's so easy. But it's not yeah. easy at all. It's very difficult. And uh, do they give you something to cleanse your palate in between so that you don't have the tastes of the, the, the last things that you tried? Well, that was the kicker. They allowed us to have a drink in between each uh, course, if you will, in between each item, but we didn't know that until one of the contestants asked. I can't remember who it was, but somebody had asked, like, you know, can I get a drink in between? And Jeff Ramsey was like, yes, of course. I don't see why you're all not asking. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, yes, okay, cool. And, yeah, so that was the the best you could get was a, a little sip of water out of a water bottle that they had hidden underneath the table there, but that was it. So you could wash your palate slightly. I was going to say, a little sip of water, does that really cleanse your palate? Not as good as it could, especially if you ended up getting, like, uh, I think Wendy had bacon. Well, bacon's got so much fat in it, water's not going to do anything. Or if you're Wendy when she went back up for her second try and ended up covered in all of the baby food from getting splattered the round Uh, before, she ended up, she couldn't smell anything because her jacket was covered. So her first round, she went perfect, but the second round, she missed a few, but it was simply because she couldn't smell anything, but Wendy has one of the best palates I've ever seen in my life. The running joke with her is if you give her a piece of meat, she'll tell you not only what it is, but what its last meal was and if it was facing the sun or not when it was killed. (laughs) And she can do it, and it's insane. That's awesome. That's hysterical. So so, so do you regret, like, not watching – like, did you, you didn't do any research, like, while you were doing the process of casting and saying, you know what, maybe I should watch from beginning to end to get an idea of what they really do competition-wise and, you know, just to get an idea of what happens. No, not one bit. I look back at it and I think to myself, you know, I'm glad I didn't because I think that it might have got me either more worked up than I should have been or start to expect things that never happen and possibly get let down. You know, if you go in with a completely clean slate and you're just confident with your own skills in the kitchen, that, that's what I did. I was completely happy going in and not seeing it. Now, the next couple of seasons that come up, yeah, I'll probably watch those just for a nostalgic purpose of, yeah, I, I was there, I did that, let's see who else is there. And if anybody is close around me, then I've got, you know, a partner in crime, if you will, if we ever do any more pop-ups. Yeah, well, you guys can call each other and be like, oh, my God, can you believe what they did? They threw a table, just like me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great community of people, though. Like, all the chefs that I have met from the show, uh, Hassan from last season and Jared from last season as well, uh, they're, they're amazing people. I'm kind of out in culinary wasteland where I live. So as far as I know, 
there's only been one other contestant from the state of Ohio, and she lives over in, like, the Cleveland area. And I have yet to find anybody else that has been on the show that was in Ohio. So it's really hard to be able to connect with people and be close without having me to take, like, a four or five-plus-hour drive to get to anybody. Thank God for social media and FaceTime and Snapchat and I hear that. all that kind of stuff, so you don't have to do that five-hour trek. No. Yeah, look, I'm at this point where I am – I'm open to any ideas. I work for a great employer now. I just picked up a job here recently where I am I'm right now I'm just a cook, but there's a, a small tavern. Um you guys all know uh the foot the, the Super Bowl's coming up. You were talking about it earlier. Every of single course. football that is made for the the Super Bowl is made in the town where I work now in Ada, Ohio. The Wilson oh, Football cool. Factory is right there. So that's what that town is known for. But well, uh, the Ada, Ada, Ohio is only like 3,000 people, if that. But Make sure they are fl- they're inflating those balls properly. We, will, we Us Patriots the, fans don't want no problems. Can you just uh, oh, do me a favor and investigate sorry, that? <laughs> I think we kind of do that to ourselves, if you know what I mean. You know, <laughs> Wilson can inflate them. But that doesn't mean that nobody's stuck a needle in them to deflate them. I don't want to kick a dead horse, but things happen listen, sometimes in sports. Listen, I was there, and you know what? I had nothing to do with it, and um, that's all I have to say. That's fine. That's fine. All I'm saying is next thing you know, somebody's going to touch a football, and then you're going to see strings of sticky tar coming off of it. That's fine, too, I guess. There was a malfunction with the gloves. I get it. It's cold outside. <laughs> oh gosh, that's hilarious. Uh so what um uh what are your plans right now? Do you have anything set up uh to do any more of the Hell's Kitchen dinners? And what does what does the Hell's Kitchen uh, kitchen um dinners in, in um entail like? Uh do you guys go to different restaurants? Is it at the same spot? Can people come? Do you guys do competitions? What what is it all about? Um, right now, the ones we've been doing, the two that I've been to so far, uh we've been doing them like I said up in Traverse City. Uh, they're not associated directly with Fox or Hell's Kitchen or anybody from the, the the company that produced the show. We've just been allowed, because we've all been on the show, to use the name, use our jackets, use that notoriety to sell tickets. Um, and what we've been doing is we will get five chefs together uh, from the show. We'll do a six-course pairing meal, and every chef will get one dish, and the chef who gets the amuse course will also pick up the dessert course. And then everybody else goes in between. And we get to make our own food. We get to do our own plates. We get to make our own menu. And it's been wonderful. Uh, it's one of those things that we'll we'll put it out on social media, sell the tickets to the event. Once we hit capacity, which this time we hit capacity, uh, we had two seatings uh, on Saturday. In between the two seatings, we almost had 90 people come in. Uh, there was actually people that were trying to pay cash at the door, and I think we possibly even had to turn a couple away because we simply didn't have room in the venue anymore. Um, they've been great. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing more in the future, but right now the, the latest project I have in the work is there is a beef producer uh, named Jones Creek Beef, 
that them and I are possibly going to get together to start demoing some of their beef products. And if they like what I presented them today, I'll actually be demoing and recreating one of my dishes from Hell's Kitchen with some of their product. So right now, I'm kind of one of those have knives, will travel chef. And if anybody wants me to come to them, get my travel expenses paid, and I'm pretty much there. Um, I'm just really open right now to do whatever. The employer that I have is a thousand percent behind the idea of me doing these things. So they said if I can get the dates far enough ahead, they'll schedule around that so I can go and do it. So right now, I'm open for pretty much anything anybody wants me to do as long as I can get the travel expenses taken care of. Well, to me, it sounds like, you know what, everything happens for a reason. And whether you got fired, you quit, whatever the case may be, um, I feel like, you know, you're in a positive space right now. And if if somebody can't see that and be willing to be a part of your journey, uh, which also would be their journey, I mean, to learn more, to experience all the things that you're experiencing, uh uh, to get, you know, limelight and to get, you know, a lot of people involved, you know, it's their loss and, you know, your gain. So um, it seems like, you know, sometimes things seem like they are not the best at the moment, but, you know, you just kind of got to wait sometimes and it pans out to work out for you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can definitely attest to the fact that, you know, when I when the show started to get come out and the first couple episodes had aired, I was still working that corporate gig that I hated and I'll be real honest, I hated where I was in the culinary industry. I, I really kind of thought for a while about completely leaving it and saying screw it and going back to manufacturing, which was actually what I did before I got into this line of work. And a couple of things started to fall into place. We did the first dinner. I left the old job. I left the stress behind. I found my center. And, yeah, things happen for a reason. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. And I'm I'm very happy that I didn't have to take the other road and say goodbye to this industry, which I was actually I considered highly for a little bit because I was so down on myself because I couldn't get what I wanted. And now I'm at the point where I'm happy again, and I love it, and I'm enjoying every time I get to stand into a kitchen. I got an amazing opportunity this past weekend to work with one of the most well-respected chefs chefs in northern Michigan. Uh, named Jennifer Blakesley, who is co-owner of the Cook's House in Traverse City. And she asked me if I wanted to come in and, you know, work with her just a little bit, watch her do some stuff while she prepped for an event. And I said, um, yes, yes, I'm going. And I I've just would have never gotten that opportunity if I would have said, you know what, screw it, I'm out. So I, I'm overly excited with what's on the horizon for me. Well, that is great to hear. Patience is a virtue, um, no matter what field you're in, and it's good to do something that you love, and it sounds like you're very happy now and you're in a good place. Do you plan on um, cooking at uh, any of the competitions at Reality Rally? Oh, yeah. Put some cooking in front of me, absolutely. Do a, the, the singing competitions, yeah, that's not happening, but I'll cook anything. You could be a singing chef. How's that? All right. I would absolutely cut myself again. <laughs> well, we don't we don't want that. No, I I would not be able to. Nobody wants to hear me sing. That's just that's just real life. I'll cook and everybody would like to eat that, I hope, but nobody wants the drama of me singing while I'm doing it. 
no, but I I will be willing to try whatever you cook um, at Reality Valley, and I will throw chairs and tables behind you as um, entertainment while you do that. You can be you can be like my hype woman. You can yeah. throw the chair first, and then I walk out, and I'll be like, yeah, throw the chairs. Listen, I can you definitely do, to do that. It. Don't 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 tell me twice. You know, come on, I deflated balls. I'll flip chairs. I don't. Whatever's got to happen, wait, I'll do it. Hold on, wait. I thought you just said you didn't do it. I thought you said you didn't deflate the balls. I, now you did? I just said oh, I was in the building. I was uh, in the building. I'm the bell right now. <laughs> do me a favor. Call him. Tell him to come to New England. Oh, wait. That's right. He won't. Okay. <laughs> Anywho. Um, well, thank you so much. First off, uh, let people know. Your social medias, because there's like 5,000 trillion, billion ways that people can connect with you on social media. So can you kind of give people the, um, the, the list, go, go down at Twitter, whatever, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Pinterest, um, whatever you got. Yeah, like it's really, really simple for me. I don't do that much. Um, my Facebook, because Facebook wanted to screw up my name. If you look for me on Facebook, it's actually under Coop. Bill, uh, because it, they made me change my Facebook name too many times and then told me I couldn't anymore without sending them photo ID to prove who I was. So my Facebook is under Coop Bill. It's a personal page, not a professional page, but I don't have that many followers, so I don't exactly care to have a professional page. Uh, my Instagram is actually uh, my dog's old Instagram page that I took over. Uh, it's Aries the Borble. It's spelled A R E S. T-H-E-B-O-E-R-B-O-E-L. And then my uh, Twitter is just Coop171. So wait, uh, your your dog had an Instagram page? Yeah, my dog. Can you go over that? My... Yeah, I love my dog. dog one again. Go over the dog one again. We need, the, we need that dog one said first and then spelt out. Okay, it's Aries the Borble. And it's spelled a R E S T H E B O E R B O E L. And he is a South African borble, and he's basically a 200 pound monster that wants to be a lapdog. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I go, yeah. I'm, I go off the Ron Swanson mantra. If it's under 50 pounds, it's a cat, and cats are worthless. I love my giant dog. I don't like small dogs. I'm not a cat guy. My big dog makes me happy. Oh, goodness. Uh-huh. Is, there, is there pictures of the doggies still on, on Instagram? Is there doggies yeah. and food pics? It's, it goes by yep. both. Okay. Okay. My dog, cool. my food, my garden, my roses. I post Ooh. a little bit of everything on there. I don't. I, the, the only thing that I try to keep just my food is my Twitter feed. If you want to know more about me, my Facebook page is my Instagram page. Um, but my Twitter, I try to keep with just kind of stay around my food stuff. Okay. Well, to go, really go back quick, I, I, I know we're going past this, but we, we're very big on food here, and we were talking about gardens uh, for the first of the year resolutions, you know, making your own garden. You know, nothing's better than going to your backyard or uh, wherever you like to plant your, your garden. You started off in, in the house because of the winter. Uh, what is your number one go-to uh, vegetable or fruit that you, you have in your garden that it's just 
the one thing that you have to have so everybody out there knows? Uh, heirloom carrots. The yeah. multicolored carrots are what I love the best. They've always grown amazing for me. And when you grow them, you get a purple, or orange, or a white carrot. And for some reason, my kids love them. They will go out, especially my daughter. She'll go out. She'll ask me if she can have a carrot. And it's an amazing thing to be able to have your child want to eat vegetables and pick it from the garden, run hose water over it, and eat it raw, right out of the garden. And carrots are what I love the best for that just because they have enjoyed them so much. And is it That's is it great. easy to grow? Is it easy to grow? Or because there's some people out there we were talking to a few weeks ago, and they were trying to get started. You know, we were talking about, you know, herbs is probably the best thing if you're not a green thumb or if you haven't started a garden. Um, is it something that you have to really take good care of, or does it kind of just do its own thing? Um, the carrots have done really well. Um, a lot of my garden has done has done well, but what I've learned over the last couple of years is I needed to work my soil a little bit more. Um, I had basically the first year I did it, I just did topsoil. I have raised garden boxes. I actually went like the old victory garden method and tried to do like the square foot gardening. So I did raised boxes. And first year I did just topsoil. Everything grew okay. And then the next year I started bringing in compost into the mix and then layering it with mulch and making my soil richer. And it actually works out really, really well. The big thing that I always tell people is make sure you water, but don't overwater. And make sure you take a little bit of time every day and weed just a little portion of your garden. You should be able to weed your entire garden in a week and then start the process again the next week. So that way, while you're out there, pick what's ripe if you need it, pull what's dying, Keep your garden clean. A lot of people will start in the spring, say, oh, I'm going to have a garden. This is going to be awesome. And then two months later, they have basically what looks like an overgrown patch of grass with a tomato plant in it because they don't <laughs> care anymore because they don't want to take care of it. Starting yeah. it with great intentions is always there, but then maintaining is the hardest part. If you're willing to go out there and maintain, you're pretty much guaranteed some kind of quality yield from your garden that you'll be overly happy about because your hard work is is producing food for you or your family. Yeah, that's a great. Like I was just saying, I mean, I've had a garden ever since I can remember, and just being able to go into the backyard and grab whatever, and you know you grew it, and there's no pesticides, and it's fresh. There's no mm-hmm. better feeling than that. What are your tips for people out there that – uh, you know, the winter blues, you know, they want to maybe start an indoor garden or something like that to get something going. What would be your go-to, like, indoor um, vegetable or, or herb or anything for, like, a first-timer? Uh, what I always do is kind of like what you were saying a little bit ago, start herbs in a flower pot in your house. Uh, what I love is the really, really aromatic herbs get something like a sage. Um, I had a pineapple sage plant a couple years ago, and it was one of the best smelling herbs I've ever had. Uh, Mint around here grows like weeds. Just find whatever is a good hearty herb for your area and grow it in a flower pot in your house by the window. So that way 
you are smelling it, you're seeing it, you're understanding what it takes to take care of it inside, and then you just transplant it outside when the weather is right, and then build off of that. And that way you're, if you can take care of a small house plant, you can take care of a small garden. Yes. Amen to that. That's the truth. If you can get it growing indoors, it'll be mm-hmm. easy going outdoors. Um, you, you know, you still have to tend to it, but I think that, you know, just watching it grow and, you know, it's like your little baby. And, and do you agree with talking to them, you know, let them know they're looking beautiful. Hey, you're looking good today, you know. You're looking a little uh, sexy I in the light, out, right? I, I talk, I'll talk to my roses, but my garden gets music. I'll go out there, I'll turn the music on, I'll tend that. But then when I get around to the roses, I'll talk to my roses because they're very, very pretty. And every single one of my rose bushes is a different color. So I have like nine rose bushes right now, and not one of them is the same color. So I'll talk to my roses because my roses are very pretty ladies. My gardens, they get music so they can just chill out and, you know, do their thing and grow and make me happy. But I'll talk to the roses and not the vegetables. They understand. No music, just one-on-one with the roses. That's right. They, that's all they need. They're just like nice ladies. They need a little bit of attention, need a little yep. bit of pampering, and they'll treat you right. That's right. For I know all, a lot of people out there right now are jotting down stuff because uh, we're still on our, uh, uh, you know, New Year resolution kick, you know. So uh, it's easy, you guys, you know. Like I, like he was saying, you know, get it started, you know, small um, a little herb in the house, and once you get that going inside, you'll, you'll be easy outside, and you guys will love it. It's great, and you'll be outdoors, and there's nothing better than that. Um, no. All right. Well, sorry for keeping you a little bit longer than planned, but you, this is important stuff we're talking about here. No, not a problem. I mean, you admitted to deflating footballs. I said talk to your roses because they're beautiful ladies. I get it. It's uh, it's understandable. It is. And, I have uh, one more question. Yeah, no, go, go ahead, Miss Cherry Pie. There's three girls left on this season. There's Heather, Ryan, and um, uh, Heidi. Heidi. And I know that you can't say who wins, so I would like to know if you could have one of those three women come and cook for you, which of those three ladies would you have come and cook a full meal for you? Oh, you're hurting my feelings now. I don't want to pick. Uh-oh. Uh, I mean, literally, <laughs> throw I a, just This got, is the time I, you throw a chair. <laughs> look, I, I can't throw a chair on this one. I, I, I mean, here, I just literally left Ryan's house yesterday. So I just literally had her food two days ago. So I've had it. It's amazing. It's everything that everybody thinks it is. I never got to try Heather's food. Heidi, I have insane amount of respect for. So I'm going to just, I'm going to say Ryan, just because I was literally just there. And everything that she does is phenomenal. And she's one of those people that, you know, she grows exponentially. She has a great amount of people that surround her, that help her and help her knowledge and her skills. And she's, she's humble about it, but she'll kick your ass in a kitchen Gladly, yeah. she's just adorable. to prove a point that she can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if I and, and it would be fun to sit there and make fun of her while she has to make me food. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I hope you'll accept my my friend request on on uh, Facebook. I sent you one, Cherry Garcia, and yeah. 
I can't wait to have you back again here on the Rad Reality Show. It has been so much fun talking to you and hearing all about House Kitchen. We don't get to have a whole lot of House Kitchen people on, and I have watched every season every. of House Kitchen. I love that show. And back again, I hope you get to go back on House Kitchen someday, and they do like a a best of or something, and you get to go back there and kick butt on that show. Yeah, I think they should do like a fan vote and just put up everybody yeah. and let it do like a tournament style. And then those are the people who go. And if they say yes, then they put them back on there. Yes, I, I think, think that, that, would, that would be great. great. And and yeah. Chef Coop, I would love for you to come back on because I, I wanted to ask you a lot more questions about kind of like, you know, uh, your favorite thing to cook and um, just a, a lot of people um, that listen on here. We have a lot of people uh, that are, you know, on the health kick and they, and we love cooking uh, from scratch. You know, I, I personally cook a lot of Portuguese meals from scratch and, um, and I try to add a little flair of a little Americanized, a little Italian, you know, I'm from Rhode Island. It's, you know, got Johnson and Wales and it's a huge culinary area and we have a little bit of, everything um so we we just love to be able to get your knowledge and uh talk a little bit more about gardening because i know a lot of people out there uh are trying to do their own thing nowadays instead of kind of going to the the supermarket not saying anything's wrong with the supermarket people i don't want to get letters from stop and shop no. and from care no. I, I love you guys no. and what you do but there's no, nothing like getting letters i'm going to see you the letters do. Is they need to push in their grocery stores education to show kids where that food came from because children these days think food comes from the grocery store. That's my problem. If yeah. they would put out the information that says this produce came from a farm and do it really simple so kids can understand it, cool. Until then, all those grocery stores, you just forward that shit to me, I'll take care of it. All right, I'm going to forward you all the, the mail. Good. And I, you know, I work at a supermarket, uh, so I stare at all that mm-hmm. stuff every day. Right. Um, awesome. So I cannot wait to meet you at uh, Reality yeah. Valley. Everybody, go to realityrally.com, scroll down, find Coop, donate, whatever you got to do. If you want to split the donations between him and me, whatever, whatever your deflation wants to do. Uh, I'm sorry, I got distracted there. Um, but thank you again for taking out the time um, no, for, for that. coming on. And and if you ever have anything that you got coming up, any kind of events, meet and greets, any kind of thing that you uh, want to promote, um, you know, uh, feel free to message me because you are welcome back anytime. And yeah. um, uh, like I said, you guys go follow him on all his social uh, medias so you know what's happening with him. Anytime you guys want me, let me know. And just one more thing from me is, you know, like you guys were touching on earlier, and if you can just give a dollar. Yeah. It's amazing how good you feel, even if you can only give a little. And helping a cause like this is something that, you know, I don't know a single person that hasn't been affected by some form of cancer in their life, either exactly. themselves, a family, or a loved one. So the smallest amount of money is still small, but it's still going towards a greater cause. You know, if 100 people give a dollar, it's $100. It's yeah. still good money and for a good cause. And you can be anonymous. So, you don't have yeah, to exactly, put your name. Exactly. If you don't want to say, I could only give a dollar, you can be anonymous. You don't have to say, mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm, you know, Joe and I can only give a dollar. You can be anonymous and only give a dollar. So you don't have to put your exactly. name out there. But you can still give that one dollar. Yeah. You know, it, if you can help, it really does do help. It Every needs. dollar helps. Absolutely, absolutely. And I can't wait for you to really uh, um, be involved in this Reality Valley event and to actually go to Michelle's place, Coop, is just, Beyond words, um, yeah. make sure you bring a lot of uh, tissues because it, it, it is really, um, you get to really see where that money that, you know, you put your heart and soul into cooking those cookies and going around, like you said, to the different businesses and, and, and you know, bartering and all that. And then when you actually get to meet the family and see where your donations are going, um, is going to be a really surreal experience. So be ready for that and make sure that you get ready for the amazing race throughout Temecula. I'm just going to let you know that uh, my team got, uh, you know, seventh out of 80-something teams last year. So uh, All I'm saying is I'm bringing my needle for the footballs. <laughs> Turn around spare play. <laughs> I'm bringing my pine I'm going to let Jillian know there should be a, a chair-tossing competition. Um, I'll win, and that's a, that's a shoe-in. <laughs> Absolutely is. Uh, who are you rooting for? Uh, obviously, uh, me without asking, who are you, who are you going for the Super Bowl uh, winner? Uh, I don't even know. Come I'm going to. Is it the Atlanta Falcons or the New look, England Patriots who spent well, the mean, struggles? Look, if if I just go with the Falcons just to make you mad, then it makes me laugh. It won't make if me I mad. Say the, the Patriots, then it's like, eh, it is what it is. But you know what? I'll I'll say this much. My team used to be the Cowboys. I don't keep up enough anymore on professional football to, to say yes, but I'm an OSU fan, you know, being from Ohio, you have to be. Mm-hmm. You got to so, be. You know, Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, I'm very pleased with where that was going. So I have, I'm have, i indifferent this year for the Super Bowl. How about but this? But I would say How about that this? I, okay. How about this? You're going to be cooking some Super Bowl meals, so that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be cooking it up, and I'm sure – Whatever you do, you have like a big spread for Super Bowl. Like, do you just go crazy like with nachos and chicken wings and do all these different types of different things for Super Bowl? I could see you kind of going out and having a, uh, a huge meal. This year, I might, but I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet because with this new employer that I have, um, it's actually a place called Tavern 101. Uh, they are not open. On Sundays, so I actually don't have to fight to have the Super Bowl Sunday off. Ooh. And what we normally do is we actually go over to my parents' house because I don't have regular TV. I've got Netflix and Hulu, so I have to go somewhere to watch the game. So I'm like, look, I'll just go over to my parents' house. So this year, I guarantee I can watch. I guarantee I can make some food. But what I might do is make, and I've already made one this year for a friend, but I might make a bacon explosion. Which um, is, a bacon, we love bacon yeah. um, around these parts. Okay. Bacon explosion. Um, what does so that entail? You take like three pounds of bacon. Okay. You take half of it. You cook it down. You chop uh, it up. Yeah. Then 
you get a bunch of Italian sausage. You can get spicy. You can get chorizo. You can get any kind of sausage you really want. I use Italian because sometimes my family doesn't really care for the spice, or I just do chorizo. And then you flatten it out into, like, a big mat. Cover that mat in barbecue sauce. Throw all the crumbled bacon on the inside of it on the barbecue sauce. Roll it up into a log like a meatloaf. Take the rest of your bacon and weave it like a basket. And then wrap the weaved bacon around your loaf of sausage. And then you bake it in the oven for, like hour and a half, two hours on a low heat, and then you turn it up and you crisp the bacon. Once the bacon's all nice and crispy, it's cooked to a good internal temperature, you pull it out of the oven, and then you smother it in barbecue sauce again. And it's just bacon explosion. Pork, um, pork, and pork. That sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And the funny thing is, I started making them because I saw it on the internet like eight years ago. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. There is actually somewhere out in the interwebs, you can find that there is somebody that markets them and sells them now. But It could be Adam Pop from Big Brother. <laughs> it could be a fellow <laughs> Big Brother alumni. He's called the Baconator, and uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to inquire to see if he's a part of this, because if he's not a part of it, he's going to want to be a part of your bacon explosion um, for oh, sure. Right, awesome. Jerry? <laughs> when I made it, I posted pictures on my Facebook page. So there are pictures mm. of me making it and what's all in it. And I actually ended up uh, selling it to a buddy of mine that I went to high school with. He's like, if you make me one, I'll pay for it. And I'm like, okay, you just buy the ingredients and I'll make it. So on my Facebook page, there is a post about what it takes to make that that bacon explosion. And if you don't want to make it, hey, you can donate to Reality Rally and he'll make you one. And did I, I think I just go. signed you up. I just signed you up. <laughs> I should have asked you first. Hey, look, I've got time. I'll start bringing this stuff into work and make it my downtime at work. Yeah, that sounds great. So you guys be on the lookout for that because I'm sure there's going to be a lot more other uh, Super Bowl ideas that he'll be posting up. So. Thank you again, Coop. Um, sorry for keeping you, but, you know, we need to know these things. We need to have bacon explosion in our life. We need to have all that That's other right. stuff in our life. So um, <laughs> thank you again, and uh, you have a great night. Make sure you guys go and donate under Chef Coop. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Coop. Have a good night. You too. Um, what a great guy. I'm starving. Right about now. I know. Bacon explosion and some pigskins, and maybe the pigskins could be the deflated footballs. I'm just saying. I love it. I, I love know. it that he lives like near where they make the footballs. How funny is that? Um, two great, great guests. guests tonight, Michelle. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much to Jason and oh my God, like him and his salty crocodiles. Hello. Like, what the I heck? Know. I mean, and his friend got bitten by two venomous snakes. To, I mean, what the? Whew. And then um, Chef Coop, uh, 
I, I could have asked him a million more questions, to be honest with you. I know. I know. Me I'm too. sure you could have, too. And, um, you know, I didn't want to go off on a tangent, but sometimes I do. But, you know, what we're all here for is Reality Rally. Um, make sure you guys go donate to their pages. Donate to my page. Uh, I have a fabulous um, first bidder that, oh, that, well, I shouldn't say bidder, donator that donated to my page. So thank you very much, um, Chair Pa. Um, and I also will be donating to my own page. Um, you know, I definitely will be doing that. That's for sure. Uh, uh, so next week, uh, we will be having the uh, International Big Brother Explosion. If we're talking about big uh, bacon explosions, we're going to talk about Big Brother explosions. Um, so next week, uh, Cherry Pie, uh, we're going to get Internationale. We're going to have Joel from Big Brother Canada for. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be on our first segment. And I, I call myself a little antique, a little vintage. Sometimes I got a little dust on me. But he certainly <laughs> don't got no dust on him. But he is OG. Oh, G, 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 okay, you guys, the one and only Bunky will be calling in our second segment, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I think Joel is a, like, old school Big Brother uh, fan, besides being, you know, um, I'm a fan of Joel's or whatever, but you know he he was on Big Brother, but he he was a fan too, and I think maybe possibly he might he might want to talk to Bunky. We so we might have to like overlap them and and let them meet each other. You know we want to separate it because we want each of them to get their um, thoughts and views out about Reality Rally and what's going on in their lives. But I think maybe we should have a little Joel Bunky um, introduction in in the middle of one leaving and the other one. Uh, coming. What do you think, Cherry? I think that would be awesome. I think that would be a, a great idea. Um, well, hopefully I'll be back on the grid right now. I'm um, gridless. I can't even Google bacon explosion. I can't even look a salt crocodile in the eye via my phone. All my Snapchat is out. The phone store, girl. <laughs> I did. I did. No, I did. The phone is is already in the mail. Hopefully, I get it tomorrow, the latest Wednesday. Oh, I went to the phone company. You know, I <laughs> I I wrapped my baby in towels, and I was like, please resuscitate her, please. You know, and they <laughs> tried and tried and tried, and they they they. They they said they just there's nothing they could do, but uh, but she was under warranty, so I'm gonna be picking up my 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 new one, well being delivered to me. So I'm I'm hopefully back on. But I mean I, I all day long I didn't know what to do, Cherry. I know I you feel so was, lost. I did, and then you know I'm trying to like. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to promote the show. I mean, we we started promoting it on, I think, Thursday or Friday. But I'm like, the day that I should be, you know, continuously, because I did do it a couple times before my phone um, was in intensive care. And uh, then I was able to do something when I was at Best Buy. I utilized one of their tablets. Don't tell them. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's how I retreated and everything with you guys. I did. I I did. Don't tell Best Buy. They'll come and get me. <laughs> so I'm a guy. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to Best Buy. Believe me, they they owe it to us. <laughs> yes, yes. I MacGyvered it at Best Buy, you guys. Um, I took one of their tablets and I and I logged in and then you know hope for the best. But so yeah, so um, I'll hopefully be back to normal and uh, I'll give myself two days, you know. But uh, thank you, Miss Cherry Pie. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, chat room. Um, and sorry about the early feedback. I, I know my phone all of a sudden, I was like, I could hear myself after the fact. It was very whatever, but it, we're all worked out. Yeah, there was some so, feedback. Yeah, so put it in your calendar, guys. Joel, Bunky, Big Brother, Bonanza. Next Monday. Make sure you guys go donate. All right, Cherry, let's close out the show. Yes, I just want to say real quick before we go, we don't ever ask for you guys to donate anything to the Rad Reality Show. We don't ask you for any support. Any, we don't ask you to push buttons to donate. We don't ask you to donate to the show for any reason. We are completely self-sufficient here. We don't ask you to donate to our show for any reason. What we're asking for is for you to donate to Reality Rally. So loosen up those yes. wallets, pull a little little bit of green out, and please donate to Michelle's place at Reality Rally. Please, that's please, what please. we want you to do. Go in your piggy bank. Michelle's it, name. Put your quarters together. Or any of Michelle's page. Donate for Michelle, and then any other reality stars that you want to donate for. We just had two great examples here on the show tonight. Go donate to these people and offer them a few bucks, whatever you can. But donate, please. We don't ask much from you guys. And we're here each and every Monday all year round. We have other shows we do on Thursdays. We bring you shows all year round with great guests, all these reality stars. And we don't ask for anything from our our guests. This is what we want is for Reality Rally to have all these people out there and for Michelle's place to be supported with a lot of funds to help take care of breast cancer patients. So that's what we ask for. We're going to close the show tonight with rounds. We always do. Good night, everybody. God bless. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all my listeners, thank you guys and thank you all for coming in. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the show. And it was a great one. Say good night, Michelle. Good night. Eat right. Sleep naked. See you guys next week. There you go. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> good night, all. That's a wrap from us. Be kind to each other out there. Take care. God bless. <laughs>